welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and welcome back to Amateur April! All this month, I have been highlighting artists with smaller audiences, trying to give them the platform I think that they deserve. For this week's guest, and for the last one of Amateur April, I think we should venture out to hear some of the more grisly tales to be heard. This week's guest is Graham Parker, the narrator and host of the wonderful podcast Grizzly History, a podcast detailing the true nature of adventure, destiny, and war they don't teach you in class. Graham is someone who I had known for years thanks to college, seeing some of the work he had been able to do with voiceovers and such, and seeing him having the opportunity to present such an amazing storytelling opportunity. Well, I knew I had to bring him in in order to talk about the wonderful art of storytelling, among other things. If you enjoyed the conversation, please make sure you support Graham and Grizzly History down in the description below with the links that I have provided. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Five stars where you can leave it. I see it. I love it. And I cannot thank you guys enough for leaving them. If you want to go a little bit further with that support, maybe you should consider going to the merch shop at pmap.creator-spring.com. There you can see some outstanding designs done by some wonderful artists that have previously been on the podcast to provide some incredible streetwear for the audience to truly enjoy. If you want to go even further with that support, maybe you should consider being a part of the Postmodern Art Podcast Patreon. There you can get early access to episodes, you can get the opportunity to ask future guests potential questions, among many other things. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP to be a part of the patrons today. But now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Hey, can you hear me? Hey, I can hear you. There you are. Hey, super. There we go. Wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous, stunning. Love it. <laughs> How you doing, man? Hey, I'm pretty good. How are you doing, Nathan? i tired, but good. As in fact, I just got done with work not too long ago, but that's just life. <laughs> it's, uh, gosh, I don't think we've talked since 2016, have we? No, I was going to say, we haven't really talked since uh, you left out Asta. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Are you still in Valdosta, or where are you at these days? No, I'm actually up in around Athens, because it's one of those, I I didn't finish up college, I got like a semester to go or whatnot, and I decided I need a bit of a break from it. Um, oh, yeah. And that just so happened to happen right before all this pandemic stuff went down, so yeah. Oh, man, nice. Well, you know, um, I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but are you liking Athens? Because I've visited a few times, and I really like Athens. I was going to say, like, I've lived, I grew up here, essentially. It's when I was like, I'm living with my dad and such. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I get the good personal vibe or whatnot. And if nothing else, if this podcast continues to grow, at some point I'd love to do, like, um, live podcast recordings, like in-person podcast recordings. And I'm thinking like, oh, yeah. you know, maybe renting out a space in Athens at like one of the bars or whatnot. I think it'd be great. Dude, that would be really cool. I know. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a thought for the future more than anything else. Say so if nothing else, I figured with some of the connections I'm making now or whatnot, I think I can get there at some point. So. Yeah, I'm sure it's, it's a very cool town for, you know, a lot of cultural reasons. So. 
I mean, go for it. I say absolutely. Although I will say the one downside is both, sorry, the biggest benefit and the biggest downside is the University of Georgia because there's a reason why there's all that cultural diversity because of UGA. (laughs) But, like, especially whenever it comes to, like, major events or whatnot, Athens is insufferable. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh, Michael, the guy that produces the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, when he was living in Athens, his apartment building, every time there was a game, his parking lot, um, they would sell the space for people to come and park. So literally, if it was like a game day, you either got out of there or you just you had to hunker down because you wouldn't have anywhere to park when you came back. I was going to say, when I was in high school, I actually used to work at the UGA games uh, for my church because they would like pay for like mission trips. And like I got to go to Puerto Rico because of working like the games or whatnot. And trust oh, me, cool. I, am, I am fully aware of the traffic and the nightmare and the mess that is at <laughs> on <the> college game day. <laughs> Boy, I, I can't imagine. Uh, well, hopefully you can keep imagining unless you decide you want to come to Athens. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to come visit and uh, maybe we can link up when I come down there. Oh, dude, absolutely. Just let me know when you're around. I know you're up in, you're up, uh, I guess, close to like University of North Georgia, right? Uh, Kind of. I, I'm up in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. I'm oh. up in LJ. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I kind of have a rough idea. I, I was going to say, I know I went up there like, like right at like the last semester I had in college or whatnot because of oh, yeah. the senior film that we did or whatnot. Um, I was with Max Steele, part of his group or whatnot. And we went up to a cabin by uh, sorry, Ray Hanna. If you remember him, uh, he had, his family has like a cabin up there and we like filmed uh, a short yeah. film up there or whatnot. Absolutely gorgeous place up there. It really is. I, gosh, I really love the mountains. I grew up up there, so I never expected to move back, but it's really awesome. Uh, just being back up there. I mean, trust me, I didn't exactly expect to be moving back to Athens, but you know what? I'm not complaining at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny where life takes you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I was going to say, if you told me, like, just for the past two years alone, I wouldn't have gone forward to be the film director I thought I was going to be. I would be operating forklifts for a living, and I would be having a podcast where I talk to incredible artists and such. I would be like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I don't want to... I don't know. You know, honestly, the last time I can remember talking to you was in 2016. It was the last semester Mm -hmm. and you had just done uh, a film competition. One of those ones they used to do where we all had the same script, but you could. uh, Oh, I remember this. Yes. And uh, I'll tell you the truth. I don't remember much about it, except there was a barber. But I do remember leaving there that night thinking, you know what? In the last few years, that's probably the best student film I've seen here. That's really awesome. So. (laughs) Hey, I'm not surprised at all that you're doing artistic stuff. You know what? I really do appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I was going to say, I totally forgot about that. If it was called Free Haircuts, I, I totally forgot. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it, no, the, okay. There was a separate one that was like everyone got the same script, but that one was the 48 Hour Film Festival tour. We got like three prompts that absolutely had to be in your film. And oh, like, okay, okay, yeah. Like, one of the, like the for that one, the, the prop was like a pair of scissors. Um,. I forget what the line of dialogue was, but I know that we like incorporated it with like Levi's speech or something like that. They had halfway through or whatnot. And yeah. You did it really tastefully. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I mean, I, at least with hope so. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's like, I, I still amaze myself. The fact that I still 
like did half of those films that I did or whatnot. And like at some right. point, I just need to finish up those classes because, like I said, I got like fifteen hours to do. And especially if I'm like doing this kind of stuff, I just need to like dedicate myself to like just doing like a class a semester until I get mm-hmm. done. I mean, like five semesters, that's not too bad. Yeah, no, no, it'll go by. Hopefully. All right, Graham, before we really get going with the podcast, I must ask the icebreaker of the podcast. Let's say you get to go to a deserted island on your own accord. It is just you alone with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, breathe, and really get to just enjoy your surroundings for a little bit. To help make sure you don't go completely insane, you can bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you that, to help with coping, I guess. Uh, if given this opportunity, what would that one piece be? So to understand the rules, I'm there of my own accord. Can I leave when I want to, or yeah, what's yeah, the deal of course, there? Of course. Like, think of it like just a, a private island for you to just escape reality for a little bit. That's the long and the short of it. Okay. Like, you'll have your accommodations or whatnot, but again, I want to make sure there's like the essential yeah. piece of media or art that you want to bring with you. You know, honestly, I would probably get a really big video game I could just get lost in. Okay. Um, Maybe go back through and play Skyrim, which I haven't played since high school, or <laughs> some kind of like survival game because I'm on a desert island and maybe like I want to like escape into the fantasy that I'm trying to survive. So, okay. you know, something I could really take a lot of hours into. That, that makes sense. I was going to say, I think, what was it? One person answered with like having Minecraft, which I think would just be like super ironic. So, in fact, you're on an island trying to survive, or you're on an island in that game, or you're just trying to survive in that game with like nothing, and yet here you are on this dessert island just enjoying yourself yeah see like if i wasn't enjoying myself and i had to like actually survive then a video game probably wouldn't be good because you know i'm like collecting all those wood and stone in the game but in real life i'm like thirsting to death so yeah. probably wouldn't do that fair enough fair enough but nevertheless that's kind of the choice you want to go with a, a long video game set kind of like a, a skyrim something like that that's your answer you're locking it in yeah yeah something that i can really get lost in and just uh escape into then if that's the case, why don't we get lost into today's episode of the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Raglan. Feel free to subscribe or follow whatever streaming platform you prefer. I'm a part of the apocalypse. Or no, I'm not. <laughs> Rewind that a little bit. Quick little edit right there. You can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> he is the rich voice behind Grizzly History, a podcast detailing the true nature of adventure, uh, destiny, and war they don't teach you in class. Welcome to the podcast, Graham Parker! Well, thank you. I couldn't have said it any better myself. <laughs> I mean, you could certainly try. I'm certainly not going to stop you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i like that how are you doing today i am doing pretty good today how are you doing nathan i am doing well i'm glad to get the opportunity to sit down and talk with you again it's been a while since we've gotten to chat but seeing kind of the stuff you've been able to do since we've last talked it's been incredible to see what you've been presenting to the world but before we really divulge to what you're producing what you're creating now i want to go back just a little bit i want to know more or less the origin stories of graham what got you interested in art and media in the first place? Well, um, kind of a complicated question. I've always been very attracted to stories, I guess you could say. Um, you know, I was a 
history major in college, and I think the reason I like history so much is because it's sort of a long story of how we got to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my interest in history began when I was six years old. I remember I was my father introduced me to the game Risk. I don't know if you've Ooh. played it, but it, it's like yeah, a game of world domination. Um, <laughs> kind of fun, but my dad said, we're going to play this game, but I'm not going to let you beat me. If you want to win, you've got to learn the game. And when we played the game, you're moving armies from country to country. And every time we'd move into a new country, he would tell me about the people that lived there and about stuff that happened there. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. And um, I just, that just stuck with me. And I just wanted to know more about the world. And I really just kind of got lost in just the stories that are around us. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, eventually I got to college and, uh, as I was kind of saying earlier, you know, you and I both ran in the same circles of, uh, filmmaking, um, mm-hmm. you know, the sort of stories of our time. So, uh, yeah, just kind of went from there. No, I mean, that's, that's completely understandable. I mean, even then, like, I know I asked for, like, art and media and stuff like that, but, like, you kind of illustrate a very interesting point when it comes to, like, storytelling, essentially. Because I think, for, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think, like, storytelling alone, if it's not an art form on its own, I'd say it's, like, the basis for a lot of art, essentially. And history is definitely, like, I guess the best example of storytelling because that's what we're essentially doing every day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I think at a basic level, art is... Um, someone making a statement and invoking a feeling in the uh, person viewing it or listening to it. Um, and the viewer kind of makes their own story, kind of makes their own meaning. So in a lot of ways, we encounter stories every day, whether we're looking at an advertisement or we're watching a show. Um, it's just stories. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you right now, like there, there are definitely a lot of interesting stories that people have been able to interpret throughout history. And I think that, yeah, I can imagine for you, like as someone that I that loves history or whatnot, it's incredible to see not only the stories themselves, but how people have been able to interpret them. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's a really interesting thing you get into when you're studying history. It's called historiography, which is the study of history itself. Because, you know, you might just kind of take it for granted that history is history. You know, we... We know what happened. This is what happened. Uh, you know, this is what it means. But really, the thing you kind of have to remember is that um, these stories didn't come from nowhere. Someone sat down and they made an account out of them. Right. I'll give you an I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, Julius Caesar. You know, he was an emperor in Rome. Before he was emperor, he was a military commander who fought against the uh, Celts and kind of France and Germania, and he wrote a book about it, which gives us the best account of, you know, what the Celts were like back then because they weren't really keeping their own written histories. So we kind of have that to go off of. And while it's really helpful, the thing you have to remember is Caesar wrote this with an intention, right? You know, he had political ambitions. He took, you know, his experiences. He wrote about them glorified the Roman army, came home. So, yes, we understand that, you know, these things happen, but, you know, we can't necessarily take all of that 
um, at face value. You kind of have to think about what goes into it. And so that, that kind of goes into anytime you're looking at history, you're like, well, what, what informed that writer? What did that writer know? How close were they to it? What was their worldview? What meaning are we getting out of that? And when you, when you take that uh, thought process, I mean, you can apply it to anything today, be it a commercial, be it a news report, you know, you can read four or five different accounts of a news story and, um, you know, there will be some basic facts, but each one's kind of telling you something a little bit different. There's kind of a different implicit meaning. So, yeah, we kind of make our own meaning from that. And um, it's just something to keep in mind, whether it's history or something current. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, especially considering how many different uh, sources there can be out there and how many people, how easy it is for people to just kind of get a story out there and try to tell what they can or whatnot. It's It's interesting, especially these days, how history can... How, how interesting how history can kind of be told with so many different views that it, it's almost I'm trying to think of the best way to word it. It's almost hard to try to figure out like what exactly is the absolute truth, which I think you could probably test this as history. It's really hard to even tell the absolute truth a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I mean, to some degree you've got to accept that we're never going to, there's no, there, there's never going to be a total impartiality when you're retelling a story. Anybody telling a story is going to emphasize some things, are going to de-emphasize other things. And at the end of the day, you just kind of have to be mindful of, you know, your own sort of biases when you read into the stuff and uh, just try to make an accurate judgment based off that and based off the facts. There you go. Well, speaking of the facts, let's get back to the the facts of you more or less. And I want to know, like you said, like you grew up with kind of a, a love for history and whatnot and definitely for storytelling and such. When did you go from just like a general love that sparked with that game of risk to a passion and then wanting to make it your career? Well, it's, um, it's kind of funny. I, um, gosh, I don't know. I've always loved stories when I was, um, when I was in uh, school, you know, anytime I was like called upon to read, I would always really be kind of dramatic and make up like character voices and stuff like that. Um, really try to make the story come alive. And going into high school, I had fun with my friends doing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, I don't know. Just, just having the ability to just be dramatic and let yourself go with your friends is a lot of fun. And I don't know, you you hear so many times, hey, you've got a nice voice, why don't you do something with that? And then you think, well, maybe I should. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I um, stepping out and doing the podcast was definitely different for me. I've wanted to do something with my voice. I haven't really known what to do with it. Um, so I thought, well, I've got this voice. I like history. Let's do something with it. And uh, my friend Michael... It's like, yeah, you know, let's uh, let's make a podcast. Seems like, gosh, uh, it seems like everybody's doing a podcast these days. But uh, huh. maybe that's kind of what <laughs> maybe that's kind of what's nice about it, though. It's kind of accessible. It's definitely. I mean, you know, you and I, we live in a different age. I mean, if we tried, let's say, you wanted to do this show thirty years ago, you'd have to go to a broadcast station and pitch them. You know, not only on yourself as being a good host, but also on a good format. But now, you know, we just we turn on a microphone and we record. It's uh, 
really great. Yeah, it's absolutely. I, I was gonna say like it, it's funny you make that connection because I like to make the connection that like podcasts or at least the internet, like podcasts in general these days are kind of the modern version of public access TV. Kind of like we were talking about like the thirty years ago, like going to a station like pitching this, but like even then, like if you just at least have a general idea, like looking at the wide variety of public access TV shows that there were, like it's not that hard to really get something on the air, but, and with the internet being a lot more accessible, like for a lot of people, like everyone can just basically have the show they've always wanted to see or the show they've always wanted to hear. Yeah. And I think that's why we see there's so many niche communities today. Mm -hmm. Um, anything you've ever, anything you've ever had an interest in, um, you just go to the internet and you find out there's an entire community that likes that. And I wonder to what degree that's affected art, because I think back on, say, you know, music, Elvis Presley, the Beatles, these were the biggest bands on earth. They were the ones getting airtime. They were the ones everybody heard. But I don't think there will ever be like musical artists that big today because there's way more options today. There, there's, there's way more um, access to listeners and to artists um, you know, be it music, be it anything that, you know, I mean, you can really find what you love and, um, it, it's a great thing. I, I'll just make this quick little statement right here about that. What you said with, it comes to like, especially music or whatnot. I think it's kind of like, it can go both ways. Cause in one way, I think like some of the music stars today technically speaking, are probably bigger than some of the stars of yesteryear, mainly because a lot more people have access and are able to listen to a lot more of these artists than before. Because a lot of, like, back in the day, it was either whatever was played on the radio or if you can get access to a vinyl. Meanwhile, like, nowadays, like, people are able to get on the internet and, like, like get more exposure to all these different artists and whatnot. But at the same time, like, more access to these artists also means a lot more of a dilution of said artists or whatnot. Because, like, same way with podcasts, just about anyone can create music and put it on the internet. And, like, whether or not it take off, like, it could either just be there or it could shoot someone to the stratosphere for their literal 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to some degree, you do kind of have to play the game. Uh, mm -hmm you know, with algorithms, with marketing yourself. I, I do wonder how it works out proportionally to today's populations versus you know, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I get that. I, I, I guess unless you're like really in the know when it comes to the algorithms, I guess we never really know, huh? <laughs> no, yeah. I do want to go back a little bit and I want to focus on your voice for a second there because I assume for anyone that's listening to this podcast, they might be instantly captivated if they've never heard your voice before and be like, what is this wonderful, rich voice that is going into my ears and soothing me? <laughs> what, like, when did you, like, I, I know you said that you had, like, friends that were just instantly like, you know, hey, you should probably do something with, you know, that incredible voice. When did you kind of just realize, you know, maybe there could be some cool stuff I could do with my voice, whether it be like, you know, what opportunity like when did you realize that there were some opportunities that could potentially be there because you had such a soothing voice more than anything else well we'll say uh first of all um i didn't come out of the womb like this i i, I, I think I, I would like to hope not. I, mean, I, I, I was already jealous of you as it is for having the voice i'd like to hope you weren't born with it <laughs> no i can really remember being a kid and uh i get a phone call and i pick up you know hello and uh, they'd say 
Hi, can I speak to Mr. Parker? And I was faced with the unfortunate dilemma. Do I admit to being a child or do I continue to pretending to be my mom and be like, no, he can't come to the phone. Um, so it's kind of funny going from that to, you know, eventually having a deep voice. I mean, I guess it's just how puberty goes. But yeah, you know, you start off reading books and then playing Dungeons and Dragons with your friends. And for me, what it was is um, I was always kind of in the arts, never really big into sports, but, you know, I was into music and I had friends who were in theater and they're like, you know, we're, we're going to do a school play. Why don't, why don't you, you know, maybe think about being the narrator? And I was like, I don't know if I stand on stage in front of a bunch of people, but then you do it and it's like, okay, cool. Actually, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback. Maybe this isn't as daunting as I thought it was. And um, for me, when it really became something was the first year I was in college, I went to the Atlanta voiceover conference, which is a gathering that happens every year, Atlanta, obviously, uh, for about three days where there are all sorts of uh, artists really from around the country, not even just in the region. I met a lot of people there who... um, were in the business, both as uh, talent as well as producers. And it was really cool to see how the machinery worked. Uh, It was also kind of a wake-up call for me, too, because while I was kind of toying with the idea, I really saw that there was a big commitment of time and money that I just wasn't prepared to do as a freshman in college. So I said to myself, okay, this is something I'm interested in. I can't do it now, but I'm going to kind of work on it. And as time went by, you know, like you and I were mass media majors, you just sort of meet people in the business of making various forms of media, be them commercials, be them, you know, short films, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I just took any opportunity that came along and, um, you know, you just kind of work it until you've got a little bit of a repertoire and then you can finally work up the courage to stand up in front of somebody and be like, Hey, you know, actually I've done a little bit of work in the past. You know, I think I could help you out here. And, uh, I've just taken it one step at a time as it's led me. No, trust me. I'm, I'm, I guess at the early part myself, like I'm trying to get into like voiceovers and voice acting myself. And I've gotten some like cool opportunities here and there and such. So, I mean, I'm developing that repertoire so that hopefully I can put something together and show other people like, Hey, I've, done some stuff if you're interested here's some examples or whatnot can you think of some of like the the most interesting opportunities you've been able to have since you've divulged into voiceovers well um i've gotten the chance to do a couple of commercials which has been pretty fun um i've really taken an interest in uh audiobooks lately i um yeah, I've kind of I've I've kind of gone through a period over the last six months where I've been kind of looking at different genres of voiceover. You know, there's commercials, there's animation, there's audiobooks, there's a hundred different ways you can go with it. And I've just kind of been exploring which one feels right for me. So me personally, I feel like I'm 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 a good narrator. Um, I don't think I'm like necessarily good with doing character voices, but I, I like reading things. So um, for me, I've, I've kind of had an opportunity come up where I know somebody who's uh, self-publishing a book and um, they've asked me to 
you know, do it with them. So I'm kind of excited to uh, step into this field and, you know, see if I can do something with it. But uh, one, th on. one thing I will say about voiceover is um, kind of like what we were talking about with podcasts. Um, we're really in a good time with it where a lot of people who maybe felt like they couldn't step into the field can really do so now. Because to be honest with you, voices like mine really aren't what's uh, kind of popular in the space, particularly with commercials. There's a lot more emphasis on unique voices, um, ones that kind of sound like anybody you would meet. Um, there, there's a lot of focus on diversity right now, and I think it's a great time for anybody who's interested in it to kind of take a step out and see if it's something that they can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I, I also want to say real quickly, um, when, when it comes to like, like you have, a, you, you bring up a really good point when it comes to like the different voices or whatnot. I, I wanted to say like, you know, like I said, I'm trying to get into like voiceovers and voice acting and stuff like that. And to be honest, you've been part of the reason why that's happening. Like you were part of the spark for that. Um, oh, shucks. I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember there was one time you were doing a voiceover for something. I think it was for some like fan comic for like a, a Spider-Man thing. I forget exactly what it My was. My goodness, I know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> I remember like being there whenever you were recording this stuff. And I was just amazed because like for me at the time, like I was still like getting used to all these different uh, like voice act, like these different aspects of mass media as a whole, because where I grew up, there wasn't really much of that exposure in the first place. And I remember seeing there, like sitting there hearing you like doing that kind of stuff. And I was just like amazed by it. And I knew I wanted to be a part of it. And then I tried stepping in doing like a poor Joker or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So gosh, we were in the freshman dorm. Was it, was it lounge? I think it was, Lounds, I think yes. They had these little like soundproof rooms. I can remember there was a Spider-Man fan, uh, a Spider-Man fan film where I needed to, uh, I guess, play like the voice of Spider-Man's dad. And um, I like wanted to read these lines, and I asked you if you could like read for the, uh, I guess, the young Peter Parker. And we kind of like did that back and forth in that little sound room. <laughs> and uh, yeah, wow, I kind of forgot about that. That's <laughs> awesome. It's one of those like I don't think of it often but like honestly like i said like i think back to that at times and like i said like i don't know how if you really considered it but that was honestly a good spark for me to like want to do more stuff like that at some point like figure out more about it and be a part of it if possible that's really cool i'm i'm glad to hear that it's um again it's a lot more accessible than i think it's ever been because uh, you know, something I've been hearing a lot from people who are in the business is particularly with the pandemic, um, everybody went from recording in a studio to basically just recording at home because they had to follow protocols. So all kinds of people are doing their little home studios. I mean, me personally, I record in my guest room closet, so um, I get that. <laughs> um, it's really cool, though, um, just how accessible it is. But uh you know, I don't know if you want to go into it, but you actually really helped me out really? in college. You well, you know, you got me that job uh, as your assistant. <laughs> All right, I don't know if y'all, I don't know if Nathan's ever covered this, but he <laughs> was in our freshman year our school mascot, yes. Blaze. Yes, <laughs> that's right. VSU, their mascot was Blaze, a sentient flame, and. Uh, yeah, 
I don't know how you got the job, but he <laughs> I know, he was our school I, mascot. But... I can tell you exactly how I got the job. I got the job tell because me. I saw the advertisement just randomly like flashing on one of the screens in like the 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 student area or whatnot or the what was the big giant building that had like the bookstore and everything i forget what it's oh gosh um you know what i'm uh, talking about though yeah yeah i do but i saw like the advertisement like hey we're looking for uh, you know a new blaze i'm like "Eh, i'll throw my hat in the ring and see what happens i signed up for it and the only reason why i got the job is because i was the only person that applied that didn't have commitments to like frats or anything like that (laughs) because i was a freshman (laughs) that's crazy so I guess the the other guy must have graduated or something. Some long lines of that I'm not 100 sure. All I know is that like they were looking for a new blaze because again like I just saw it randomly as a freshman, you know. So well, gosh. Okay, so listen. If anybody has never been to Valdosta, it is. It's not so much that it's hot; it's that it's humid. It, I I learned very quickly you don't measure the days by the heat; you measure it by how much you sweat walking <laughs> from class to class. And poor Nathan is in this big mascot uniform and and it would just fog up his uh visor so that he couldn't see where he was going because there was only three holes in this thing and one of them was the one i shoved my head in and the two other holes were covered by a plastic like sunglasses (laughs) yeah that's right they they had like that uh sunglass visor yeah um so anyway yeah so somehow you sweet talk them into hiring me to basically help you get from place to place because it was just that hot and humid, but it was, uh, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say like, cause I just, I basically needed someone because half the time I couldn't see where I was going. <laughs> well, it was awesome. I mean, I got to go to all these games and just kind of hang out and eat like catered food and watch them and just kind of help you get from like student event to student event, And it was, uh, it was a pretty fun experience. It was it was fun. Plus, it paid halfway decently. I don't know about you, but I got paid. What was it like, ten bucks an hour? But it was only like five hours a week, so it's like still fifty bucks is fifty bucks. Oh God! I mean, you know, you're a freshman in college. That's uh, that's plenty of money. Absolutely. I'm I'm surprised you still remember that because I I do remember the Blaze days. I don't remember it fondly, but I remember the Blaze days. <laughs> oh yeah, classic. Ah uh, goodness, but you know, going back to oh getting back to the actual interview or not. Um, I'm glad that we talked about like the different opportunities that you've got to have. Plus some of the opportunities when it comes to like the pandemic or whatnot, because I think one of the biggest opportunities to come to you is this podcast that you are the producer and narrator for, which is grizzly history. Now for people who may not already know for one reason or another, how would you describe grizzly history to the people? Um, grizzly history. We, we look at like some lesser known chapters of history. We look at some lesser known chapters of history that were kind of darker in tone, but had bigger implications than you probably ever heard in history class. And what we try to do is we try to follow the event of what happened using um, first person accounts as well as try to immerse the audience with POV portions to kind of put them in the shoes of maybe somebody who was there and close out the episodes by talking about, well, you know, this happened, but why was it important? I mean, it, it's certainly interesting, especially what the, the stories you guys have been able to emphasize so far. How did the, the concept for this come to be? Was this something that you've been thinking about? I know you mentioned your producer, Michael. How much of a hand did he have in, like, developing this podcast? Like, how did this come to be? 
goodness, Michael had everything to do with it. Um, <laughs> I, I had I had the idea for the podcast. I thought, okay, I've got a microphone, I've got a voice. Um, I'll just make a podcast. <laughs> and I thought, okay, yeah, grisly history. You know, we'll just talk about dark chapters of history. I like history. That shouldn't be hard. Um, and then, like I was telling Michael about, it, and he's like, okay, that sounds like a really good idea. But we need to get a website. We need to figure out how to market. We need to, uh, you know, get it up and going. I was like, wow, I didn't realize how little I understood about podcasting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he told me that. So it was really cool. Yeah, I just, I told him my idea for what the show would be, and he helped me to workshop it into something that would be um, digestible, would be marketable. And um, we're still trying to find our footing, but um, it's just been getting better and better. I mean, you say you're trying to find your footing, but if that's the case, the footings you've found so far have been really strong with the stories you've been able to tell and the the way you sort of present them to the people. I want to know more or less like the process for like, you know, a story that you want to tell. How do you come across like a certain tale through history and decide, you know what, this is something that I want to emphasize and how in depth you want to emphasize it? Well, this kind of... Um... It kind of speaks to what I was saying about finding our footing. We initially did a one-off episode about something that um, had a bit of cultural relevance. Our first episode was on the sinking of the USS Indianapolis. It was this secret mission where this um, ship was sailing the first atomic bomb to get ready for the run on Japan. And most people, if anybody's heard of it, it was because of the movie Jaws, where the, uh, you know, the... Anchorous, uh Captain Quint is talking about a stored, his storied history and why he hates sharks. Because that ship sunk, a lot of people got eaten by sharks. And uh, it kind of got covered up. And that was pretty big. That was, you know, something worth knowing about. So we did an episode on that. Now, recently, we have been doing a series where we're talking about, like, the Arctic and the Antarctic. And I've kind of realized while doing it, it's probably better to just do one-off episodes because we thought, okay, this will be easy. We'll just make, you know, an episode every month. But we've been doing it for like six months and there have been a lot of delays. <laughs> so I think uh, going forward the podcast, we'll probably just, um, you know, keep it light. Keep it where you could pick up anywhere rather than having to, oh, cool, there's this podcast. Well, I don't know where to go. There's like this entire series. But to get back to your question, how do we pick stories? Well, right now what we're doing, we're doing a series on the exploration of the ends of the earth. Um, a lot of explorers had found basically everywhere there was a nice climate. You know, they'd found everything tropical. The only thing left was the extreme north and the extreme south. So I was thinking for this series, how do we, you know basically tell the story of how people discovered the North Pole and South Pole without talking about so many details. So I sort of picked out the most consequential stories and went into, well, how are we going to tell the story? Usually what I'm, when we're going into an episode, is I'll find a really authoritative book on the subject. Okay. Because, um, when, um, as a history major, one thing we usually did was is we would delve into archives, but we also had like school credentials, so that was a lot easier than it is now. Right. So I do that a, a little bit, but 
normally what I do is I just try to immerse myself in the topic for about a month. For about a month, I read everything I can. I watch everything I can on what happened. Get a good idea of the facts, because like we were talking about with historiography, everybody is trying to tell a certain story when they retell you, you know, the history of it. So I try to parse out what are the facts, what actually happened. And then I try to find motifs or I try to find sort of refrains, you know, in the facts. And I think, okay, let's craft a story where we get to, you know, what really drove what happened. And I usually spend about a month trying to write it out because I'll have like 30, 40 pages worth of notes. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how do I make this into an hour episode? But I get it written and um, I try to connect that from episode to episode since we're in a series. But one of the more fun parts for me, one of the more storytelling parts, is when we do the POV portions, yes. point of view. Because um, I actually got the idea from another podcast by Robert Evans. He did one called um, It Could Happen Here. Okay. And the first season of that episode... It explores the idea of what would happen if there was a second American Civil War. And one thing I thought that was really powerful in that is once an episode for a couple of minutes, he would write out a portion where it was like from the point of view of just a normal person trying to live their life while there's all this chaos in the background, you know, just as a refugee or just somebody trying to make their way. I thought, well, you know, the people that I'm talking about in these stories were real people. They may be living lives that are completely disconnected from you or I, um, but, you know, they're not storybook characters. They, they actually existed. They actually went through these things. And it's worth remembering that and having a little bit of reverence. So I try to take these experiences that I read about and I try to give a person an idea. Okay, what if you were there? What if you were feeling this? How would you feel? And that... That's really cathartic for me because I enjoy writing and um, yeah, it's probably my favorite part of doing an episode. I, I was going to say like personally for me, I know like, like as, again, as a whole, I just love just about every aspect of grizzly history that you've presented or whatnot, but the POVs that you provide, like they are truly unique for me. Cause like, like you said, like you were trying to emphasize to any of the listeners that, Hey, this was a real life person. So like basically immersing that person, the listener into that person's scenario with like the, the different uh, you know ambient sounds and like the different, you know, like voices here and there or whatnot. And the, the in-depth descriptions to basically make the person as immersed as possible. If nothing else, I appreciate how much of a uh, flex of the mass media, that you get to provide a little bit for that one. But nevertheless, like I absolutely love the immersion that you sort of provide for anyone that wants to listen to the podcast. Well, I appreciate you saying that, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a great outlet for me writing and recording as well as, uh, you know, for Michael coming up with the soundscape and trying to create those textures, you know, so it really feels like, you know, you can kind of get a sense of what it might've been like. And, uh, I, I don't know if you've already, plug this or not, but uh, you were in our most recent POV portion, which was pretty fun. Yes, about a very little-known uh, incident that happened in Venezuela about cheese or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy story, and everybody should go listen to it. I'm surprised that uh, I'm surprised that people have not known about this incident before. You know, 
before you decided to present it, it's it's weird how little known this is. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's just the dairy industry for you. They don't want you to know the truth. <laughs> Big dairy wants to cover up all its disgraces. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There is a dark history and people need to know. I, I do want to say, though, genuinely, though, I really do appreciate you ha- letting me have an opportunity to, to voice a character. Because I know I brought it up to you before, but, like, getting an opportunity to do it, nevertheless, I thought it was just fun more than anything else. Well, I appreciate you uh, doing it on short notice. I I know you asked me, and, like, I didn't even tell you until, I guess, the week before that, yeah, I'm going to need you to do an accent. Yeah. <laughs> and you just you went with it. <laughs> Can I just say... Like, so whenever I saw like Venezuela, I, I like I said, I knew I needed to get like a Latin, uh, uh, an accent or whatnot. For some reason, yeah. the voice, the first voice I thought about. Do you remember a show called El Tigre: The Adventures of Manny Rivera? Oh, I do remember that show. Yeah. If you remember how his father sounds, White Pantera or whatnot, that was the voice I basically went with for the president. Oh, of <laughs> nice. White Pantera. Oh man. <laughs> I thought about that in ages, man. I know, right? It's it's weird the the obscure references that come to my head. Anyways, but <laughs> but back to Grizzly history. Like it's incredible. Like I said, with the POV and all that kind of stuff like that. And yes, absolutely. If people have not listened to the very true and totally not an April Fool's Day prank that is the uh, Poison de Arville incident. Is that what it was called? It is, yeah. The Poison de Arville incident. Um, I highly encourage it, and the link will definitely be in the description below. Um, <laughs> well, I will say real quick, um, and, you, and you don't have to leave this in here if you don't want to. I guess it's just for you. There's actually a lot more that based in history than you would think. Really? It's, I mean, I mean, it's mostly nonsense, but actually some of it was kind of real it was funny i I can remember at one point my wife said well if people don't know it's fake at this point i said actually (laughs) (laughs) okay no this is definitely saying in the podcast i you need to divulge a little bit how much of it is true i'm I'm Uh, curious well i mean most of it is not true i mean the historical background about the like crisis okay president being desperate was real but this was some of real um, that sounds pretty ridiculous. But that's actually a tradition people do. They will, in French-speaking countries, instead of doing a prank and shouting April Fools, they hang like fish on each other, and they're like, "Oh, poisson d'avril," and uh, I guess that's funny. I don't know. <laughs> I have a friend of mine that I have made that is French Canadian. I need to ask him to confirm if this is a legit thing or not, because I please, I th- please do. I I want to know how widespread it actually is because I've read about it. I I don't know any French Canadians, but I would love to know if anybody hangs a paper fish or something on each I, other that day. I I definitely have to ask him for a hundred percent sure now, just to be sure. Uh, Torakai, if you're listening to this episode and I haven't asked you beforehand, please answer this question because I I thought you just tossed that in. It's kind of oh okay, that's a nice little like additional like you know legitimacy to the story if nothing else but wow <laughs> it's kind of the fun thing about coming up with the story i was like well it's an april fool's day episode what can i figure out and then i was like getting into like fondue and swiss and i was learning about the history of all this stuff i'm like wow that's actually really cool and then i kind of like wove one thread into the next until we came up with a story so there's like a kind of historical undertone to some of what i'm saying but it was just kind of a fun exercise to weave that together in a funny way i mean if nothing else that's that's a further uh how should i put this it's a 
it, it shows just how incredible, like, if nothing else, the storytelling you have been able to present with Grizzly History. Like, even something that is as random as, you know, a fondue incident that may have hurt Venezuelans or something like that. Like, while it is fake, like, what you've been able to weave into it gave it so much, like, believability and legitimacy to it that, like, if, again, if you didn't know any better, it just sounds like, just, it sounds legit. And I appreciate, like, the amount of work and dedication you've already put into this podcast like seriously well thank you i appreciate you saying that um there's a lot of people who like um you know they like history and they like memes i think it'd almost be fun to do like a podcast it's just like historical fiction in a funny way um you know you take like the bare basic facts but you also just take them to the absolute limit that you can push them that would be a lot of fun that would be fun that's something we gotta write that down we gotta do that at some point um (laughs) (laughs) but i i do want to emphasize one aspect of grizzly history that i think you and i that i at least appreciate more than anything else and that's just like going back to like our original point starting off the podcast the storytelling that you implement with this like the way that you like present the facts and like also like i said like immerse the people in kind of the situation like how important is it for you to make sure that the storytelling you're presenting is like at least for you like up to the standard that it is well i'm a very detail-oriented person so i think about it a lot anytime i'm writing it and getting ready to present it my whole mindset is i'm gonna say this and a lot of people are gonna hear it and they're going to take that as fact and Maybe they shouldn't, but a lot of people are. So I need to do my best to present this in a very fair way. And one thing I've really enjoyed about the podcast is I've often come into episodes with preconceived notions about the subjects and about the people I'm talking about. And I've actually come out on the other side of doing my reading and being like, you know, I actually maybe respect this person who I didn't think that I would going into it. Or maybe not even respect them, but I kind of understand them. And I would like to impart that to people listening um, to maybe maybe kind of reserve your first judgments and uh, kind of get an idea of what was going on, what the mindset was, and maybe approaching it in a way that um, is a little bit novel. So, yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about the facts and I think about what is the best way I can present them that's, you know, accurate, but... Fair, you know, uh, like I said, there's nobody that presents history in a way that's impartial, but, you know, how can I do it personally in a way that gives respect and gives credence as much as possible to the people who are actually there? Right, right. I, I imagine when you were talking about, like, people you may have had preconceived notions beforehand or afterwards, I imagine the biggest example of that is probably, what was his name, John Franklin, the, the man. That was him. His... Yep. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. I've, you know, I I uh, fell in love with that story. You guys may or may not be aware, there's a show on AMC called The Terror, which is a kind of fictional retelling I read the novel of that, and I thought, that that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. That was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I can't believe anybody did that. And that's how I felt up until I was reading it. I'm not saying that, you know, stupid, foolish things didn't happen. But I also, also like, kind of got a fuller idea of the life that he lived. And I'm like, well, that wasn't smart. But um, I understood 
kind of where you were coming from, and I almost feel some kind of sympathy after that, you know? I mean, I especially after, for me hearing the story when I didn't really know much about the guy beforehand, but considering what he was trying to stand for, like, considering his, like, prerequisites beforehand, the fact that he was, like, so dedicated to doing this, like, it's incredible. Like, the, the story at the end of the day is just an incredible story, and once again, thank you for presenting that to the people more than anything else. I appreciate that, and, and I'll say this just briefly. The series we've been focused on for the last few months is called Ends of the Earth. As I mentioned earlier, it's explorations of the polar frontiers, and for the longest time, I can remember hearing that. I can remember hearing people went out to these frozen places, and they suffered for years so they could map it, and I always heard that, and I thought... Why? Why would anybody do that? What a foolish thing to do. You've got one life to live. Why would you choose to spend years of your life in basically a desert, a frozen desert away from everybody, risking your life for something nobody will ever see? And that seems so foolish to me until I really got into the stories and I really tried to understand, well, why were they actually doing this? Why were they actually there? What actually drove them? And now, you know, I can't say that I personally would do it, but I'm glad that somebody did. Yeah. And I can at least, you know, respect their, I can at least respect what they went through, if not their motives. There you go. I know you at least got a chance to talk to someone that decided to at least go up that course with your uh, interview for the, the person that took the trip on the Coppin stance or Copper stance, uh, which I know I said this before, wonderful interview that you did. I, I can only imagine how interesting it was for you, like especially the fact that you've been telling this story for a while, getting to talk to someone that has actually been up that path or whatnot. I can only imagine it, whether it was surreal or like reinforced more or less what you had thought. Yeah, actually, um, that was, gosh, that was such an interesting conversation. I had a really good interview with a fellow who went solo on an expedition up a river in the polar regions of Canada where a bunch of people had died. I, I covered it in the show. A bunch of people died trying to do what he did and he went off and he just did it. Yeah. I thought, wow, doggone there, there's this guy who's just really willing to just live life. Who's really willing to go to the edge. And he had such a great perspective on not only that, but just of travel, of just seeing the world. And it was an excellent conversation. But it also kind of had me just think about the modern world that we live in. Um, oh, yeah. One thing I came across in one episode, it was about this John Franklin. Um, spoilers, he went on an expedition where everybody disappeared and we're not totally sure what happened. And today, I kid you not... If you want to pay $15,000, there is a company that will take you by ship and by helicopter, and you can retrace the route where all these people disappeared. And, uh, you know, it's just like a tourist thing now. Yeah. In, in, in about a month, I'm going to go uh, take a cruise ship to Glacier Bay in Alaska, and I think I'm just some guy, you know? Uh, 200 years ago, this would have been unthinkable. I mean, people would have been risking their lives to see what I'm just, oh, I'm on vacation. <laughs> it's it's crazy. And again, that's kind of where my respect for these people come in because it was so hard. It was so difficult. And 
while I personally can't imagine doing that myself, I do respect what they did in the pursuit of discovery. Right, right. I, I mean, I imagine more than anything else, like retelling these stories, like getting a chance to really go in with that really gives you, like I said, like we said before, like a new respect for these people, whether or not they were successful and no matter what the circumstances was. Is there a story or an excerpt with grizzly history that you've been able to tell so far? I know you've only had you like, you're still, to be fair, you're still relatively new when it comes to like producing podcasts and stuff like that. Is there an excerpt or a story so far that you are personally like the proudest of so far? Oh yeah, for sure. My favorite episode, um, Gosh, I don't remember the name. Um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name of the episode. If you don't mind, let me look it up. <laughs> I'll edit this little bit out for you. I got you covered on okay. that one. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it because there's there's one I will definitely point to every time as being my favorite. If I can pull up the podcast. Yes, for sure. Um, I've got a definite favorite episode. It was in our Ends of the Earth series. It was our second episode. It's called The Man Who Ate His Boots. And it's the culmination of an episode of John Franklin in his early years. He, He goes to explore Canada. And the very end of this episode, the last half is so thrilling because there's all this buildup. There's all this hype that he might discover this thing that people have only dreamt is there. Nobody actually knows for sure it is. Right. And the, uh, the narrative in real life, not just me telling the story, but in real life is so exciting. These guys are on an expedition into the frozen wilderness. Everything is down to the wire. It's very scary. People are so weak, they have to split the party in two. Right. And one of them winds up being trapped with a serial killer, a cannibal. Right. The, the, the last thing you would ever imagine is, again, you, you, are, you're, you're, you are hundreds of miles away from anybody that can help you. You're running out of food. Winter is coming. And then when you can't think that anything gets any worse there's a serial killer animal with you. That is such a frightening prospect that I can't believe that there's not like a mini series or something about it. That's what, that's what made me make the episode because originally I wasn't even going to do an episode about that expedition. I was just going to talk about, you know, the famous one where everybody went missing, but I thought, gosh, this is exciting. Why isn't anybody talking about this? I can't believe this actually happened. You know, I'm getting like, goosebumps and like my heart's already racing again thinking about like that scenario again because i remember that episode like especially just like good lord like I, like you said just when you think it cannot get any worse oh yeah no the person that you know is supposed to be helping you out yeah serial killer cannibal yeah no that's perfect par for the course at this point right uh, yeah it's it's so surreal it and and that's the thing i love about history is i can't remember the quote but Somebody said something somewhere that um, fiction doesn't. Uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on it. 
No, oh, sorry, totally forgot the quote. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, to circle back, the thing I find really crazy about real life stories is there are very often things that happen where if you're watching it on TV, you would think, no way that couldn't happen. There's, I don't believe it. I can't suspend my disbelief that that thing would actually happen. Right. And then it actually happens because, you know, in real life, reality, uh, isn't bound by, <laughs> Whatever script we imagine happens day to day, it just it just happens. You just kind of have to deal with it. Yeah, it's it, it's it's insane more than anything else, and like especially the stories that you're presenting or whatnot. Like, if again, if I didn't know any better, I would just think that you're just like really good with creating these like incredible historical fiction more than anything else. But like to think that this kind of stuff more or less legitimately happened or whatnot—that's the thing that like. I find riveting more than anything else when it comes to the podcast, aside from like how you're presenting it, is the fact that this is legit stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, that's one thing I think about is, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, a lot of historical podcasts and I'll hear an episode and, um, you know, more or less, I kind of take it with the group. I mean, I kind of think, okay, yeah, that's probably what happened. But then I think, you know, I mean, there's a lot of damage that could be done. If somebody is just kind of cavalier with the facts and they're just like, yeah, this is what happened. I mean, I think most people probably aren't going to look any deeper into it. Right. And they'll just be like, yeah, what I heard is uh, probably what happened. So, again, when I'm presenting these episodes, I try to keep that in mind. I'm like, well, listen, this might be the only time a person hears about this. I better, you know, really try to really try to delve in and tell them what happened as best I can. Exactly, exactly. And, again, you've done a great job so far with uh, the stories and the facts you've been presenting. I have to know, like, whether it's short term or long term, what's next for Grizzly history? Like you've established before, like you're currently on this ends of the ends of the earth. I don't know how much longer you have with it, but I mean, either way, I know I'm excited for whenever it does end, and just hearing more of the stories based on that. So, whether it be just with that or just long term, what is the plan? What do you hope to see with Grizzly history? Well, to tell you the truth, we are one story away from being done with this series. Okay. Um, we're hoping to get it out in the next month or two. Um, once that is completed, truth be told, we're going to go on a little bit of a hiatus with these long episodes. Currently, our episodes are clocking in around an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to be going on a hiatus because I'm going to more diligently pursue actually doing voiceover as a career. Okay. Um, okay. So I need some time to work on some demos and a website. But as for the show itself, um, we produce short-form video content on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And what I think we'll be doing until we can get back to these long-form episodes is we'll probably be doing behind-the-scenes on these, uh, you know, videos because we, you know, we take these stories that. Um, you know, are huge, but, you know, we have like one minute to tell them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's cool. I'm glad to tell people that, that story, but, you know, you're not really telling a story in a minute. So what I would like to do is, uh, you know, try to actually give some more context to these, uh, you know, just crazy, grisly things that happened in history. So we'll do that for a little bit. And when we are ready to come back with long form episodes, um, I think we'll be delving into some more contemporary topics um, rather than 
you know, all these older ones. Right. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's completely understandable. Is any of the short form stuff going to include that? What was it? The, the Leica soup that you guys, or the Leica tea that you guys tried? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we had a dandy time picking, uh, moss and eating it. And, uh, let me tell you, don't do it unless you absolutely have to do it. Yeah, the, the, um, when we say last resort, we really mean it better be the very last resort. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, the worst part isn't even the taste. It's just the like the way. Well, the texture isn't great. It's almost like you're kind of chewing on a soft fabric. But the worst part to me is the only reason moss hangs on to uh you know, rocks or trees or anything is it has these little roots that grow and they, and they get this like sand that they dig into. So anytime you're like putting it in your mouth, if you haven't strained it thoroughly, you're just getting like sand all in your teeth and uh, down your throat. It is uh, a bad texture. Let me tell you. I, thank you for that visual through audio. I, I really needed that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for that visual through audio basically your entire podcast um <laughs> <laughs> well we've been talking a good bit about like what you've been able to do and some of the stuff you've created so for this next question i want to give you more or less the dream scenario if i may let's say i am big shot mr Moneybags. i come up to you and I'm like look graham michael we know you guys have been able to produce some incredible stuff and we think if you know given the opportunity you can provide some absolutely incredible stuff we have access to anyone and everyone in the industry and more money than there should be possible. We could probably be finding so many sunken ships or whatnot, but we'll focus on that later. Uh, if given this opportunity, what would be the dream Graham Parker project? Man. You know, honestly, what I'd love to do is I'd love to take Grizzly History from being a podcast to being a brand. I would love to make video content. Um, I'd love to do, like, long-form essays. Um, something that I mentioned that I like to do with the show is I like to take these stories and I like to talk about the legacy and how that's, like, affecting things. I'd really love to do, like I was saying, video essays. Start with something historical, but then talk about how that has shaped the trends of maybe how a culture thinks, how a culture uh, just conducts itself, and the deeper implications that has today. Because, like I was saying earlier, I feel like when you when you really get to the heart of it, history is a big story of how we got to where we are today. And I would just love to make content that's easily accessible to people that really delves into why do we do the things we do? What has informed that and what can we take away from it? You know? No, I mean, it's, if nothing else, that's something that I think if given the proper opportunity, I think it's, it's a perfect thing to, to strive for more than anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, but Sadly, we got to get down from the dream scenario. We got to get back to reality. And I'll ask the ever so generic question. Where do you hope to see yourself five to ten years from now? Five to ten years from now, um, I hope to continue being up in the mountains, maybe in my own cabin. There you go. That's not the, a bad idea. <laughs> the 
big old voiceover studio where uh, um, Grizzly History is, uh, you know, maybe a household name. And uh, I just get to roll out of bed, say some words into a microphone, and uh, just live life. That would be really great. That's living <laughs> the dream just... more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, I would love to just uh, tell stories for a living. That's what I'd love to be doing in five years. Well, there you go. There you go. I, I, I at least have like a side cabin to side so I can come up and enjoy the mountains every once in a while. That's all I ask for. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, we can we – can, they call it glamping up here, glamour camping. We, uh, we can do that. There you go. I, I can go. I'm down for some glamping. Um, <laughs> as we wind <laughs> down the interview, I just have one last question I want to ask. Obviously, like, you're deeply entrenched in your field, more or less, whether it's, like, art or, like I said, history, which is storytelling, which for me I feel like is an art. How important is art not just for you but for the world as a whole? Well, as I was saying earlier, <clears throat> pardon me. As I was saying earlier, I think that art at its core is evoking a feeling or an emotion. And it's something that we the viewer attach to it personally. Again, I think we tell ourselves stories, whether we're watching an advertisement and trying to pick out the right outfit, or if we're watching a news program and we're trying to feel, how should we think about a topic? So art, in all its various forms, is the medium that we get to continue experiencing our own personal stories through. And as we continue to get into the internet and information age, when there's so many stories to choose from, I think it really helps us just continue to get in tune with ourselves, what we like, what we believe and what is the truth for us? That is wonderfully worded, if I do say so myself. I can't think of... I don't think I've had anyone explain it like that, but it's very thought-provoking. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> that is all the questions that I have for you, Graham. Um, I've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise, but I'm going to shower you with a little bit more because it's my podcast. I do what I want. Um, <laughs> uh, Graham, I've known you for years and it's been incredible for me to even get to know you in the first place um you're a wonderful person and getting to know kind of the the creative person you get to be and the the love and passion that you have for the stuff that you've devoted yourself to it's incredible to see how you've been able to go along this journey how weird of a journey it may or may not be and i'm glad you're at a point to where you're getting to to really express yourself more than anything else and get an opportunity to really like showcase the world who you truly are because the people should really know not just who you are but the stories you're telling the 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 voices you're able to provide to the world because what you're providing out there is incredible and amazing fascinating mind-blowing and i sincerely hope that people get more of an opportunity to get to know you and get to know grizzly history and get to know these stories that you're being able to tell because 
at the end of the day, I feel like if given the opportunity, you could be one of the best storytellers that we will ever have. And I sincerely hope you get those opportunities. Thank you for what you do and keep up the incredible work. Well, thank you, Nathan. I appreciate that. And I hope you can keep up. I hope you keep up your incredible work. I, I love the way that you're giving a voice to artists from various media. It's really cool what you're doing here. It's one of those, like, you know, for me, I mean, you said, like, I just wanted to give a voice and a platform to people that are doing incredible stuff because most of the time, I've said this before, most of the time, at least for me, I feel like people push stuff out there and then either people are going to only emphasize what they've made or they're just, it just goes, it gets lost in the, the information and the internet and stuff like that. I want to make sure that people are recognized and honored for the incredible stuff they're doing. And that's, that's a major reason why I wanted you here. So once again, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> for those who may not already know, go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. Where can they hear that wonderful voice of yours? Well, you can find us at Grizzly History. Um, we are on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and actually, I should say, when I say Grizzly History, I'm saying G-R-I-S-L-Y, not Grizzly. Um, yes. One thing I'm not sure our marketing was uh, very, very good on is our... <laughs> Our profile logo is of a grizzly bear, and so often I've got people saying, I can't find it. I keep looking for, uh, you know, grizzly history, and I just keep finding this bear. And I'm like, oh, goodness. <laughs> so um, if you do find a bear, you haven't taken a wrong turn. That is probably us. But uh, if you do need somebody to do some voiceover, be that commercial or uh, anything else you can think of, you can... Shoot me an email at Graham Parker VO, and that is Graham spelled like a graham cracker, as I have heard so much in my life. G R A H A M Parker VO at gmail.com. And if you have missed any link or whatnot, I'll be sure to have it in the description below. And trust me, I was thinking, like, literally the title of this video is going to be Making Grizzly History. So I'm going to make sure that the branding is on point. I'm not going to make it grizzly or anything like that. Well, thank you. Thank you. You're <laughs> definitely doing us a service by doing that. I, I would at least like to hope so. Um, do you have any final words before we sign off? Not, not really. I just, again, I appreciate you giving so many people a platform. And I thank you so much for giving us one not just here to talk, but just continuing to uh, promote us and just being a fan. It really means a lot. Well, well, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing and Hey, if nothing else, I mean, freaking, I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to collaborate more, whether it be through our podcast or just IRL. Like seriously, we got to get together and do something again. Cause it has been way too long. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, we'll do something soon. We'll do something soon, hopefully. But until then, all I have left to say is for the people at home, hasta luego, mi amigos.
thank you for sticking around to the end of the podcast. If this is your first time listening, I do greatly appreciate you sticking around to the end. And if you enjoyed this episode, I sincerely hope you take the opportunity to listen to some of the other episodes. Because I've had some incredible conversations with some outstanding artists. And Graham is certainly no exception to that rule. I still remember back in college when we first met. Just getting an opportunity to work alongside him and getting to, to talk with him. Like he he is seriously he's seriously one of the the coolest and most laid back people I got a chance to know and talk to, and I was greatly appreciative to even get to know him and to see him grow more than anything else. See what he's been able to do, what he's been able to produce, and still grow alongside that. That's that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this amateur April thing that I did this past month last year, making this a yearly thing. Because for a lot of these artists that I do bring on, whether they're truly established or whether they're just really getting their bearings or whatnot, getting the chance to really see what they've been able to produce, see how much they've been able to progress, and see how much they've been able to improve on their craft, it's truly amazing. And it's something that it's something that helps people like feel a little closer. Like, really getting the chance to see these people really continue to do what they do and get to grow and showcase to the world what they love to do. It always amazes me that I get an opportunity to talk to these artists and get an opportunity to get to really know them, even for just like an hour or so. Um, and really get a chance to, to get to know, like, their their journey it's a blessing that I have with this podcast and especially for some of these smaller artists, the ones that are just starting out and really like getting their foot in the door and really trying to showcase their stuff. Like, especially if doing this podcast right now and letting them be a part of it, like at this point is just even a slight little motivation in the right direction. If it allows them to, to truly feel like what they're doing is worth it if it really helps them continue to do what they love more than anything else then I feel like this podcast is worth it and I feel like more than anything else like every single artist I bring on here they absolutely deserve the opportunity and they deserve the love and support and I want to show them that and I want to make sure that they get it no matter how big or how little it may seem Graham is certainly a good example of that because again I have known him for years and I know what he is capable of I know what what he can bring to any sort of project if people are given the opportunity or if he's given the opportunity I just want to make sure that I can present him with potentially more opportunities that's why for any animators out there if you're looking for voiceover opportunities like seriously get in contact with Graham like he is more than happy and willing and able to he really wants to do this he has a gift you can hear from his voice from the interview. For God's sakes, did you listen to that voice? <laughs> I just I know he has the potential to do some incredible stuff. I just want to make sure that no matter how big or how little, I can provide him some opportunities to really go forth and do some incredible stuff. Whether he's making that for himself with Grizzly History or getting an opportunity from someone else, as long as he gets an opportunity to do it and showcase that talent, that gift, that's all I care about at the end of the day. So, at the long and the short of it, uh, Graham, keep up the incredible work.
You're doing an outstanding job, and I know you'll get opportunities, some incredible ones. And, you know, for that, for that, with that, I should say, man, words are wonderful, aren't they? Um, <laughs> my little bit of motivation for this week for any of the artists out there is always find a way to keep going. Sometimes it is going to seem rough and hard to want to keep going. But if you know, at the very least, deep down, the base of your heart, that this is what you want to do, something you're truly passionate about, and something you know you can go forth and do some incredible stuff with, no matter how big or how small the impact is, keep going. You can do this. I believe in each and every single one of you. You've got some incredible gifts out there. Let the world see it. Let the world know what you got going on. You guys have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful month, week, year. Thank you for taking your time to be here. Go out there and create some incredible stuff. I love you guys. Have a wonderful one.